Once again, I'm honored to be here in the humble residence of Subal and Mahamantra and their beautiful children. And in the presence of so many of you who attend these gatherings um, here regularly and and uh, those of you who come when I'm here and those who come for the first time. So I'll be here in this uh, vicinity for three days, so I'll speak tonight and tomorrow and again on Sunday. And um, I plan to speak um, about Nam Tattva, the, uh, some of the philosophy uh, underlying the uh, idea, Nam means name, that the uh, Logos, the Divine Logos, the name of the of God has uh, an inherent uh, spiritual power and efficacy to bring about extraordinary and positive transformations in our lives. And, and I thought to speak on this topic because recently um, a disciple of my godbrother, Shifat Gaur Govinda Maharaj, uh, whom I know, uh, this disciple's name is Madhavananda, Madhavananda Das. He publishes a journal, it's called Bindu something? Krishna Katamrita Bindu, a drop Bindu of the immortal nectar, like the fountain of youth of that results from kata, or talks about Krishna. That's really kind of the translation of his journal. And uh, he sent me a, I don't have a subscription of journal, but he was, uh, sent me a, um, a brief uh, commentary on Shri Goswami's Nam Astakam that was um, composed by Baladev Bijibhushan, Rupa Goswami, of course, is one of the founding uh, charges. A charge means teacher by example. It's with an emphasis on the example, that example speaks louder than precept. Hmm? We should teach by our own example. There's an old song. How's that go? I'm just reminded of it for the moment. Um, I become my enemy, the the instant that I be- preach. Hmm. You know what? But I was so much older then and yeah. younger than I am now. So, <laughs> so we should listen to our own <laughs> preaching, so to speak, or teaching to others and take it to heart because much as it brings about a transformation in our own life, as much as we're going to really be able to share um, that experience that transcends the limits of language and, and thought. <clears throat> um, so, <clears throat> uh, by example, Rupa Goswami was one of the founding teachers, by example, or charges of our lineage, and um, <clears throat> he composed this uh, astakam. Astakam means, uh, it's a um, eight Asta means eight, so eight stanza poem. Um, 
in glorification of, with some philosophical uh, implications, including some imp- philosophical implications of the um, the uh, uh, the name of God. Of course, there are many names of God. We'll have to reach that topic as we go uh, forward. Maybe not tonight, but over the next uh, few days, we'll see as we, where we get through these nine verses. But again. Um, the commentary of David Rusin. Baladev is another teacher in our lineage who uh, was a few hundred years, he appeared after the author of this Astakam. And um, he wrote a number of commentaries on the poems of Rupa Goswami. So this is one that's very brief in his commentaries uh, of. Rupa's poetic works tend to be very brief, and the brevity of them has something to do with the audience to whom they are being written for, which is a very different audience from us today, um, hundreds of years later. So we we'll have to be a little less than, a little more than brief about it to help kind of bring us into what the author was. Uh, talking about. In other words, his audience, the audience of the commentator Baladev, um, was more familiar with the subject matter in many, many respects and with the language. It's written, it was written in Sanskrit, Sanskrit commentary and so forth. So we're distanced by time, we're distanced by language, by culture um, and um, consciousness. <laughs> that. Uh, uh, and, and so you want to try to try to try to bridge the gap and uh, enter into the the what would have caused such a, a commentary and on a on a poem and a poem be written in the first place. So I'll uh, again his commentary is is very uh, brief. I'll refer to it um, here and there. He, he, he by way of citing some other Sanskrit uh, verses from other texts. Um, he makes, as I say, commentary that others would be, in another time, would know what he was talking about, perhaps more than we do today. Um, so, um, he does um, mention at the onset of his commentary a beautiful point for us to consider, and that is that these eight verses are all about Krishna Nam, the name of Krishna, the name of God, uh, or let's say Hari Nam. It's, it's uh, well, it's really about Krishna Nam, but it's, it's, again, God has many names. So the name Krishna, hmm, um, of course, it means a number of things, but one of the things it means is all attractive. Therefore, Krishna is often depicted in, in art, in poetry, uh, as being the personification of all those things that are attractive to us, like youth, um, um, beauty, um Nature, hmm? um, very much uh, um, ornamented, if you will, the person of Krishna with the ingredients from the natural environment. Um, uh, his crown is a peacock's feather rather than a certain um, uh, crown of thorns or not a golden corn. Cat, 
a, a, a jewel-studded crown either. The peacock, as you know, the feather of the peacock is very beautiful, and it has many eyes. Hmm? Each feather has an eye. Hmm? So the implication is that, that the peacock feather, in a sense, represents beauty or love. Love is beautiful, hmm? most beautiful thing. And the eye represents um, seeing, and, and that corresponds with, with kind of knowing. Hmm? If I see it, I believe it, they say. So a, a wise, with the eye, uh, beauty. So his, the, the, the uh, attainment of Krishna is, is the culture of wise, I should say wise, wise love. And the main culture for attaining that wise love is the singing of his name, which we've just been doing. Hmm? Um, so the Astakam, again, is about the, uh, the efficacy, power, the sacredness, the significance of the name of Krishna and how the name is non-different from the named. Hmm? So, in one sense, the perfection of sound in any language which seeks to describe different objects hmm, is the extent to which the sound itself conveys a sense of the object. Hmm. Um, sometimes we, for example, are named formally by our parents something, but then either in our, within our family or within the circle of our friends, we get another name that sounds more like us. Uh, it more describes us, um, our characteristics, and so forth. To take it to another level, if the sound itself, the vibration itself, brought to mind hmm, the object, hmm, there would be the, kind of the perfection of sound's uh, effort to describe objects. So there is some distance between the, the sound and the object it seeks to describe, right? But in transcendence, then the object and the sound that describes it are one. It's a very peculiar but interesting idea. Well, the perfection of sound, hmm? if you will. Um, and given that our practice, our main practice, the, the method to our spiritual madness is chanting, we have to hear, we hear, one is chanting, then we respond. It's all about hearing and chanting and the meditation that results from that, the smriti hall, the fruit of chanting, the kirtan it's called, a uh, form of chanting, uh, is remembrance or ultimately dhyan, samadhi, meditation. So, um, a beautiful thing, Baladev says in the beginning, um, that while the Astakam is about the name of Krishna, the verses, the eight verses, are all in different meters. So the poetry has poetry has meter, and they're all in different. Typically, an Astakam will all be in the same meter. Hmm? A little bit of poetic, a little bit of the math underlying poetry, right? Like if you want to do music, it's some math that underlies it. You want everybody going to be in the same key. Hmm? So now I can imagine if if it was a song and and uh, it kept changing keys all the time, that would be confusing probably, right? Hmm? But here is very beautiful. 
and different. <laughs> all the verses are in different keys or in different meters. Hmm? All the, however, all the meters have something in common. They're all feminine in nature. So they're masculine meters and they're feminine meters. They're all feminine meters. And so the implication is that Krishna is surrounded hmm, by the uh, astasaki. Hmm? That's a term some of you may be familiar with. Krishna is not alone, so we sing, uh, we, when we speak of Krishna, we speak of also Radha. Hmm? So Radha is the kind of, I want to say, the uh, what was the terminology of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, the predominated counter hole, I think he said, the counter hole. So the counter or complementary hole. Hmm? Krishna is 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 the perfect object of love, and Radha is the perfection of love personified. So if you want to have an object to love, you have to have the love. Hmm? If either one is taken, each are different. The love is different than the object. But if either one is taken out of the equation, the other one doesn't stand. If you take love out of the equation, there's no meaning to an object of love. If you take the object of love out of the equation, there's no meaning to love. It's in search of an object to repose itself in. So these two are different, but at the same time as I'm explaining, they're one. So Krishna and Radha are object of love and the personification of love. Hmm? Two, one, and different at the same time. And Radha's love is very nuanced for Krishna. It's romantic in nature. Hmm? And romantic love, particularly, is 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 very nuanced. There can even be, um, amongst uh, in in romantic love, the different kinds of love. There's parental love. There's fraternal love. There's love between teacher and student. For the moment, I'm speaking about romantic love. In romantic love, we can even have something that looks just the opposite of love, which sometimes we refer to in English as a lovers' quarrel. Hmm? You don't want to get in the middle of that. Hmm? Um, it's a way uh, outside of, you know, extending to domestic violence. Uh, it, it's a way of that love expresses itself. Hmm? Um, let's say a jealousy. Sometimes a, a man may be jealous of the wife, or oh, there's no cause. She really didn't have her eyes on anyone else, or the man didn't have his eyes on or any desire for anyone else. But the wife was was thinking like that, and then he, she shows her jealousy, and then. The husband's very charmed by that goodness, although she's upset with him, hmm? or vice versa. So, how this is just one example of how nuanced, as we all know, uh, most of us are old enough to know, but not everybody here. Uh, then something about the nature of romantic love that once we can become acquainted with it, uh, we can't hardly talk about it and explain it. If your children ask, what, what does it mean to fall in love? What are you going to say? Hmm? Whatever you say will not do justice to it. And when they fall in love, then they'll have the same problem. So it's very uh, rich, nuanced. Uh, I've given one example. So Radha being the personification, the full, the Mahabhav, the full face of love, hmm? in order to love Krishna, comprehensively, expands herself, hmm? 
into numerous similar-like, uh, similar, uh, similar forms, hmm? feminine forms, hmm? eight of which are prominent, and there are many, many more. Hmm? So the, the idea that Rod is Mahabhav Swarupini, the very form, the feminine form of of the highest, Maha means great, Bhav means spiritual ecstasy or love. Uh, the very idea that she is Mahabhav Swarupini implies hmm, this kind of expansion which we see in the leelas of Krishna, where there are, are even competitors of Radha in order to that the, the, the jealous love may be brought out and tasted and, and, and relished. Hmm? Um, so there's no real competition because it's just Radha expressing herself in different ways. So there, anyway, to cut it short here, there are eight principal uh, maidens, if you will, in the circle of romantic love of Krishna. We call it a Leela. Leela means a play, uh, a, a, a drama. Hmm? Um, so I often say that God is said to be omniscient and omnipresent. If you know everything and you're everywhere, there's kind of like takes the fun out of things. There's nowhere to go anymore. You're already everywhere. You already know everything. So to deal with the boredom, you play. When you're bored, you, you decide to make up a game and do something and let's pretend something else because life today is boring. So, so there's a play of God hmm, where his Godhood becomes uh, suppressed, so to speak, so there can be an interaction between himself and his devotees that doesn't distance him from the devotees who would say, oh my God, I'm next to God. He causes them to come close and then they have possibility of romantic interludes with the Godhead, friendly interludes and so forth. In a world beyond time, hmm? Time, there's, there's time after time, as they say. Right? There's time there for sequence, for the passing of the Leela, but no beginnings, no ends. Hmm? Um, so this is, speaks about the possibility of a realm beyond time and space, which we're, we're taught um, is, is a land in which we, can, which we are rooted. Hmm? We're rooted beyond time and space as a unit of consciousness. Hmm? But we've identified with a physical and biolog biological and psychological combination hmm? that's a product of, within, of time and space, matter within time and space, matter constantly coming and going, beginnings and ends within time and space. Uh, we've identified with that, and we think that we are confined by time and space. We think we might die, for example. It's just a thought. That's all it is. Hmm? And you and I, we all exist beyond things and beyond thoughts. Hmm? That's why we can think and do things. We can think and we can do things. We are not thoughts, that means. We are not things. It's a simple way of saying it. It could be explained much more philosophically, but um, most of you are familiar with the basic idea. And it will come up again as we continue with the discussion of the verses, or let's say, get into them as we're trying to do here. But it's a very beautiful point of the commentator, Baladeva Jibhushan, that the meter, uh, who would have thought? Hmm? 
Who would have thought? And, of course, the poem had been around for hundreds of years, for that matter, and nobody had said such a thing. That the different, It's a curious thing. Why it's... The eight verses are all in different meters. It's like, I guess he doesn't know poetry. Hmm? But this is poetry that is in which bhava or ecstasy is invested, hmm? which takes poetry to another level. Now, po- now the poetry becomes a vehicle of ecstasy itself, of bhava itself, of rati, of bhava, hmm? and um, and because it's coming from another, it's coming from a, a realization that he's trying to express that's beyond thought and words. So, put it into poetry, which is a language that kind of extends things. Like I've said often in the poetry, the moon can have wings and fly over the sky. It's not a problem. Hmm? So the, the world is larger in poetry than it appears just with the with the with the mind uh, with the, with the eye with the mind's eye. Hmm? It can get larger and broader. With the mind, we try to make the world, the physical world, big enough to accommodate just how big we are. As I said, we transcend as an atma. A soul would be a kind of a translation of that. A unit of consciousness. We transcend the limits of time and space. We're not, we don't know, aren't fully aware, self-realized that we're an atma. So we try to, through our minds, expand space and time. Because it's not fitting. It's not fitting. It's not big enough. Hmm? We need it to end, hap- to live happily ever after. As the movies tell us, it could be like that. It could be. The whole world is telling us it could be bigger. It should be bigger. Let's make it bigger. Hmm? But the effort to expand it and make it such that it will accommodate us is all outward movement. And outward movement means movement of acquisition, taking from the environment, adding on, that I'll become more by adding something to my life. When in fact... I'm bigger than all the add-ons put together. Hmm? I'm not me, I'm saying the, the Atma, the self is. Hmm? It makes the world go round. In Europe, when our tradition began in India, they were moved from a geocentric perspective to a heliocentric perspective. The idea that the world was revolving around the earth to the idea that the world is revolving around the sun the Copernican revolution. This is kind of the, the dawning of the of the scientific re- and industrial revolution that we're uh, living in, <laughs> trying to live in. Um, uh, but in India, hmm, the idea long before the geocentric and the heliocentric perspective was an atmocentric perspective. There's something called consciousness that the whole of the matter of time and space is moving around. Hmm? And you can get off the Ferris wheel of it all. So does Ferris wheel? The merry-go-round. It's been a while. Get off the merry-go-round of it all hmm? and stop going with the movements of matter that are here today and gone tomorrow and the struggles that go with it in kind of a virtual reality. Stick back from it and see it for what it is and see and then enter into a world where it's big to be small, to be a tiny particle of consciousness beyond the limits of time and space. 
is to be big because in that realm, beyond time and space, we can be a giver. And what's big is to give, not to take. Love is about giving, not taking. The more we give, the more we grow. The more we take, the more we contract and become unbecoming, even materially speaking. right? So to move beyond time and space. Time and space means I'm identified with the confines of the world, the time-space continuum, and it, it's looking like my time's limited and my space, I need more space. <laughs> and so I've got to take from the world to expand my space and increase my time. Hmm? And that taking is going to be at the cost. So there's a competitive realm in which we live. We're, we're hunting and we're being hunted also. Hmm? So to be a lover in this realm, to be a giver, is difficult when the whole thing is driven by taking. Hmm? I mean, just to take it to a, to a domestic uh, uh, political uh, perspective, capitalism with all its so-called successes, is really based on greed. That's what it's all about. It's a greed-driven worldview, an economy. I mean, that can never work in terms of really making us as happy, as secure, as, um, as wise and good of a person as we are taught as children we should be. And we would like to be. It's in absolutely impossible. I mean, it's, it should be be obvious. But with the lack of a better understanding, where to go, you then you 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 just praise the the the, the relative uh, results, and and then you start to deny that there is a life beyond death anyway. So you know. Anyway, that's a. Modern world, to some extent. Um, uh, so to move, but by yoga, hmm, by spiritual practice, properly understood, it means to move within, move in a backwards way. As they say in Zen, less is more. That's like hmm, that doesn't quite fit between the ears. Hmm? That's good because reason is, is is limited as a as an instrument for knowing, knowing in a way that I might become. Satisfied, I know now. Now I know, everything's good. Hmm? That kind of knowing, hmm? that won't come by reasoning, because reasoning there always be another reasoning to counter that reasoning. And you can even reason that two and two is not four. It's possible to do that. Hmm? I won't do it in a moment, but it is possible. Hmm? That's how supple the reasoning is. That means it's just one reason can be um, defeated by another, by another. But it's endless. Hmm? Reason is a, is a, is that faculty of discrimination. The intellect. Hmm? We have a body made of a senses. We have a mind. We have intellect, and we have and then there's ourself. Hmm? Just like there's a, there's a, there might be a chariot with horses. Compare them to the senses. Five senses: the reins or the mind. The driver is the intellect, and the passenger is the self, the atma, soul. Hmm. So we should we should harness, we should tell the driver, 
hold on to the reins and turn around. Hmm? Turn around, so to speak. So to go within. And, and, and there is, we say go within or go without. So that's a fact. It's all that the wealth lies within. There you, there's a land you can live in. Hmm? It's somewhere over the rainbow. Hmm? And you can go there hmm? and um, there you can be a lover. Hmm? There everything's moving in a different way. Everyone says, you first. No, you first. Hmm? And then you end up never going anywhere, which you don't have to. Hmm? There's nowhere to go. You're there. <laughs> That's the place you want to be, where everybody's like that. Hmm? So, um, so in this realm, then there is the play of the Godhead, hmm? right? Hmm? It works because there's one center, hmm? and that center is the center because. When everything is given to the center, the circumference is nourished. Hmm? If you were to be on the circumference and give other than to the center, then it could compromise the whole circle, if you will. The stomach is another example. If you give to the stomach, if all the aspects of the body work to feed the stomach, then the stomach as a center will transform the food like no other organ can and send the energy to all parts of the body. So Krishna's like the stomach, like the root of the tree, where you pour the water and all the branches and leaves and flowers are nourished, right? Um, so with that center, then then there can be all so many nuanced forms of, of love, of giving. Hmm? And so a realm of transcendental play, and here the play is talked about by way of explaining, as the commentator has, that the verse about Krishna, Krishna's name, which again, here the name is non-different from the named, so the name is, is being glorified by eight verses, all of which are in different feminine meters, which is a way of saying that Krishna is wrapped up by all the nuances of transcendental uh, romantic love that Radha is the full um, embodiment of it. That's a very beautiful insight of Baldev Vidyabhushana. Hmm? It's, again, his insight into the intention of the author, or sometimes songs and poems are written, and they're written in such a way that you can draw your you can draw your own inspiration. Vyasa veti veti va. You can hear even in the material realm, people write songs and then other people listen to them, interpret them, and have many meanings to them that the author never intended. Hmm? Right? I think it may have been intended by Rupa Goswami, knowing who he is, but but if not, uh, he would be going, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's good. Uh, uh, Baladev's bhava is uh, uh, a reaction to the to to the poem. After all, it's just the subject matter is such that it can be mined unlimitedly, and new and new uh, facets facets to the jewel of the subject can be um, showcased. Hmm? 
from different angles and so forth. So eight verses, all in different uh, feminine meters. Hmm. And uh, it covers uh, um, the notions of Shuddhanam, the pure utterance of the name, Nam Abhas, an utterance of the name that is uh, um, like a shadow of the pure utterance, um, and a an offenseless utterance that will lead to a pure utterance of the name. The implication is that there's a kind of an art uh, or method, science to the to the practice of the in invoking of of God's name and so forth. So these things will, will be uh, covered and more in the verses. First verse begins, Nikila Shuti Moli Ratna Mala. Nikila Shuti means, uh, Nikila means like all the Shuti. Shuti means the sounds. Hmm? Sounds. And here it's, uh, they're called Shuti Mala. Shuti Moli. Shuti Moli. Moli, Moli means uh, here like a crown. Hmm? So, uh, Moli Ratna. Nikila Shruti Moli Ratna Mala. Hmm? Moli Ratna means, Moli means crown, Ratna means jewel. So the crown jewels of the sounds, sound, this, the crown jewels of sounds, Mala means like a garland, hmm? that these, the crown jewel of sounds strung together, it begins. If you were to take the crown jewel of sounds and string them together into a wreath, and he's going to tell us what to do with them. But for our uh, unpacking this a little bit more, the question arises, because what are the crown jewels, crown jewels of, what is the crown jewel of sounds? What are they? And of course, uh, the Hindu tradition is uh, very much centered on this idea of knowing through through sound, that the world comes about uh, by sound. It's certainly the world of our understanding comes about, you can say, largely by sound, because by sound, as I was saying earlier, we differ, earlier we differentiate between different things. This is this, this is that. So it's said that Brahma by sound made the world, so to speak. This is this, this is that, this is this, this is that. So and the the these sounds embedded in the world, it's it's like if I sent you a package um, with a, a machine in it, and along with it a cassette that explained cryptically how to use it. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Right here it is. So the world hmm, comes equipped with a cassettes are pretty outdated, I guess. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> with a with an MP3 uh, or whatever you know it is now, I don't know. Uh, 
um, in crypto, you know, <laughs> space, uh, uh, how, to, how it all works, hmm? the world and its meaning, its purpose. So according to the Hindus, that the world is purposeful. That's what the that's what the term Dharma means. Dharma, you might have heard of it. it, it, it in an essential sense, it means purpose. Hmm? There's a there's a there's something to do that you're supposed to do. Hmm? We all certainly feel like that. Must be something I'm supposed to do. What is it? I'm trying to figure out where do I fit. What, what in some level or another? What what's my thing? Hmm? What am I supposed to do? Hmm? Well, in order to understand what you're supposed to do, you got to understand the world, what it is, and so forth. And of course, there are many speculations about what the world is, what it means, and even the speculation that it has no meaning is a popular materialistic, um, no meaning meaning. Uh, we can't get away from the idea that the world has meaning, and we're trying to find it, even when we say there's no meaning to it. We're trying to convince others of that no meaning meaning. Um, not too meaningful, but um, but we're we're driven in this way. Hmm? We would say we're driven in this way because we are a unit of meaning. What I mean by that is that we're we're of a qualitative nature rather than physical of quantitative nature. We're qualitative. Quality means quality. We can have value, value, purpose. Hmm? We as consciousness give purpose and meaning to things hmm? by kind of extending our consciousness into, into the things. So, so with the world, with the idea in Hinduism is the world is purposeful. It has a nature, a dharma. Hmm? And what comes with the en, enfolding, would you call it? Or what's the term? Not evolution, but... Hmm? Unfolding? Unfolding, okay. Unfolding of the world, hmm? unfolding of the world, um, comes sounds embedded in it. Just like there are sounds, for example, like they have dog whistles. You can blow the whistle and nobody will hear it, but the dog will come running. Though there are... It's not that our ears are that perfect that we can hear everything. Hmm? I think we know that, right? I mean, I just gave an example. Hmm? So there are sounds that even the best of ears cannot hear. Hmm? There are sounds that, they're yogic sounds, that we call them mantras. Hmm? Man means mind and tra means to, like, to deliver or free to free one from the mind. Hmm? The world is in the mind. Hmm? Get free from the limits. Like, I have a mind, and in my mind and in your mind, we have determinations of what's good and what's bad. We get impulses from the senses. We say, I like this, I don't like that. And so that's what you are. Your, your likes and your dislikes. But we're different because we have different likes and different like dislikes because we have different senses and we perceive things differently. So we all live in this uh, our own little mental world of what's good and what's bad. 
we can agree sometimes other people what's good and get together with them, but invariably there will be differences. Hmm? So we're all kind of living in our own world. It's, it's gleaned or gathered through the instruments of our senses. And the obvious conclusion is that no one's getting the whole picture. Hmm? No one's getting the whole picture. Therefore, the instruments of seeing, of tasting, touching, of hearing are not perfect instruments for knowing. Empiricism is, is of course, popular. What would you call it? Rational empiricism is a popular idea that drives much of modern atheism. But, I mean, it's not empirically demonstrable that empiricism is is a conclusive way of knowing. <laughs> uh, so um, we say that the senses are imperfect. Hmm? And uh, therefore we cannot rely upon them to get a perfect reading or to attain perfect knowledge. There's a way to utilize them and our mind, which is also imperfect, hmm? such that they can they can be they can take us beyond themselves by utilizing them in connection with the sounds of the Veda. Hmm? Now, well, where do you get these sounds? Where do you get this MP3 that comes with the package of the world? Where do you get it? You can't hear it with your with your with your ears. So where do you get it from? Well, there are people, mystics, hmm? and they are moving in a different way. Rather than moving out in relation to sense objects with attachments to them hmm, in the pursuit of happiness, only to be frustrated because you can't keep them, they decided to move inward. That's what, what spiritual practice is. So there's a way to move Move, move within, hmm? and in in that movement, then those sounds they can hear. Hmm? There are sounds about the self and its purpose and its predicament hmm? that can be only heard as we move in the direction of it. Hmm? And having heard that, then they manifest it externally in the form of the Veda. Hmm? which is the most voluminous body of literature. And it's a jungle in many respects of sounds. When looked at from an academic point of view only, when you go and you, 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 you take the, the Veda, hmm? many, many volumes of, of books, you take the Veda and, and look at it from an academic point of view, which means you, you make it an object hmm? of your inspection that you rule over and that you are going to conquer and understand. That's normally how we look at a book or how we learn in school. We go to school to get knowledge that we that it can be part of our agenda. Hmm? But the very th theme in the Vedic literature is that these sounds in these texts have an agenda. They're live. They're living sounds. They have an agenda of their own. And what they're telling you is you're on our agenda. We're not on your agenda. Hmm? This is a whole different way of then looking at it. So if you don't follow that mandate as to how to understand it, then your academic pursuit of understanding it 
will lead you to conclusions like, well, it says this over here, it says that over there, it seems to conduct itself, and who, who knows what these old books are about, and and and, and, and whatnot. Whereas, hmm, those who follow that kind of message on the package, hmm, read like this, listen like this, hmm? listen from someone who's doing this, which is what we teach about inside. Hmm? Hmm? Then uh, uh, you embark upon an ego-effacing journey and uh, inward uh, 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 exploration of the inner uh, landscape, so to speak. This is yoga. This is what spiritual practice is about. And um, and again, then you can you can hear the mantras. You can they're sound formulas. I've sometimes compared them to the mathematical equations that are discovered that just tell us something about how the world works. Hmm? There are mathematical equations embedded in, 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 in nature somehow, subtly, that are discovered by mathematicians. Hmm? Some mathematicians say they're, they're human inventions to describe the world that the humans have come up with with their fertile minds. Another school of thought in mathematics, which is the more prominent school, says, no, they're actually discovered sounds. Hmm? Let me give some support to that latter school that uh, uh, I think is the prominent school, but um, someone like, what's his name would be in that school? If the, the, uh, uh, what is his name? He's uh, Well, I was going to mention him, That's but, it, but in the modern day... Um, No, that's Trinibus, yeah. Oh. But anyway, they're, they're modern persons. Hmm? Hawking? Not Hawking, but it, it was contemporary of Hawking. I forget his name now. Um, famous physicist, mathematician. And at any rate, he was of the opinion that, that there are there's a platonic realm where the where the mathematical equations live beyond time and space. Hmm? Who? No, no, no. That's that's uh, this is European. Anyway, modern people think this way too. Is the point uh, in the in the in the, some of them in the, in the philosophical, scientific, this case, community? But uh, but the example of Srinivasan Ramanujan, actually his name was Ramanujan, uh, from the uh, uh, from South South India, is very interesting because he was a mathematician who worshipped um, uh, Lakshmi, actually. Uh, forget the name that he referred to her by, which was a local name in uh, where he was from, but the name is a name for Lakshmi. Hmm? And so Lakshmi is another name for Radha, who I mentioned is the goddess that personifies the full measure of love of Krishna. So he worshipped the goddess Lakshmi, and in his worship he had visions, and he heard sounds. And she, in these sounds she gave to him, and then he took those sounds and developed them, and they, and, and they were mathematical equations. Hmm? And and then he wrote a book, a small book, with these equations, I believe it was, and he sent it over to Europe to, what's that place in Europe? Hmm? Hmm? Oxford. Oxford, where, uh, this was at the time of, who's a famous atheist from Oxford? Um no, no, long time back. Hmm. Um, no, 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 Jesus. 
Yeah, I'm the philosopher, and he's not a philosopher. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, anyway, he was in the school and others and so forth. And in any way, they what? No, no, he was. A, he he killed himself. <laughs> um, um, famous, and he can, he he had a debate with a Christian. Famous debate many many years ago. Marsh knows, but he can't remember either. We're too old. Um, at any rate. Just to, just trying to give you a, you know, context. But at any rate, he sent his book there, and they, and and one of the mathematicians there was was amazed by it, and he arranged for him to come, you know, to Europe, and he eventually, although although the, the British were rather racist with regard to the Indian um, population, and they were the rulers of Britain at the time, so they couldn't imagine that they could get anything of value from the the um, pagan um, and uh, superstitious Indians, but as it turned out, Ramanujan became a fellow at at Oxford, and his equations are un- unbelievable today. There, there, so many things come from those equations, and he got them from Lakshmi. And he, t- you know, they, nobody could the, the 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 atheistic community couldn't like relate to that. But so the point is. For whatever reason, Lakshmi was talking to him about these equations that are embedded in the world, and they, they tell how it works. These were equations that tell how, how it works physically. Hmm? And the application of these equations of Ramanujan are, like I said, multi. They're how much are, that we do today are, are derived from tech, uh, are assisted by technology that is built on those equations of, with your understandings of the world, hmm? physically speaking. Hmm? So, so similarly, there are sounds on another level, hmm? mantras, that uh, are like mathematical equations. They're kind of formulaic, and and they, they can be heard by sages, and then they're then they were written down as. As the as the Vedas, and they speak to us about the world and how to live within it, and realize its its purpose and so forth. Hmm? Now, amongst these sounds, Veda instantly means knowledge. So, amongst these sounds, there are many. So they're 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 diverse, and unless you enter into it in the right way, you cannot understand how they're all speaking about the same thing, all moving, pointing in the same direction. Again, it might look like they're pointing in different directions and they're incoherent, but with a proper understanding you can see that. And so there are many commentaries of mystics on them that seek to show, see, they're all pointing in the same direction, they're all talking about the same thing. So amongst all this great jungle of sounds, body of sounds, hmm, some of them are more about the world and how to live in it from day to day in such a way that you'll be less implicated in taking from the world and have karmic reactions that are binding. Hmm? Um, so they talk about social life, religious life, and so forth, and principles uh, that can be dynamically interpreted at different times in different uh, cultures uh, to come up with a... Uh, well uh, reasoned in conjunction with the sounds um, um, 
moral and um, ethical um, sensibilities how to how to live, um, and then on a higher level, there are sounds. They're quieter sounds, hmm? and smaller, shorter, but bigger. Hmm? The, and these sounds to talk about that not how to live in the world, but that you're not of the world. Hmm? If you can live in the world according to Dharma and inquire into that that kind of life and pursue it, then you can start to become acquainted with the more that you are, that human life affords us the opportunity to realize and experience. You're this Atma, the Self, this consciousness, unit of consciousness, and what its potential is, and so forth. So this, the, the, there's a later section of this Veda hmm, that's the smaller section. Trived, trived, what is it? Trigunya Vishaya Veda. The Gita says, Krishna says out to Arjun, Trigunya, Trigunya Vishaya Veda. The Vedas deal mostly with Triguna, with the three gunas, Rajas, Tamas, Sattva. That's all about the world. It means there's a smaller portion of it that deals about the self, which is small, after all, but big. Hmm? Big things sometimes come in small packages. Expensive things sometimes come in small packages. Right? Hmm? So these sounds are quieter. Hmm? It means that the noise of the world has to have bored you to some extent, hmm? that you can't listen to it that much anymore, and what it's competing, competing sounds, wanting your attention and so forth, it's not satisfying with you, so you want to turn it off. You're, you're, you're now in a teachable moment for listening for something more subtle. Hmm? And, and it, so these are the sounds of what we call the Upanishads. The very the very name of those texts indicate what I'm saying. Upa, Upanishad means to sit close. Sit close. The implication is, if you sit close, I can tell you a secret. Hmm? Come, come, sit close. I want to tell you something. Come, come over here. This is quiet now. I want to talk about you, hmm? what you are, beyond your humanness, beyond the biological, psychological complex that you're identified with, hmm? that endures, it's this more than a thought, more than a thing, hmm? that, that endures even beyond the collapse of the psychological and the physiological uh, sense of self. Hmm? So, when Rupa Goswami says here, Nikila Shruti, Moliratnamala, hmm? making uh, the, the sounds, the crown jewel of sounds hmm, of the Shruti, he's referring to these sounds. Sounds like Tattvamasi, Aham Brahmasmi, Neti Neti. Hmm? And there, there's, there are schools of spiritual practice that just they do mananam. They just contemplate. What is the? They're like Zen koans, like 
what is the implication of this sound? I mean, you can translate it. Hambramasmi, neti neti. There's a few of them. Tattvamasi, tattvamasi, you are that. How can you be that? What does that mean? You are that. No, I'm this, and that's that. <laughs> you are that. You are that. It's kind of like, doesn't quite fit between the ears. So the idea is to keep uttering the sound, then you're involved in some type of a trans-rational practice by which you're going to come to a kind of a knowing that transcends what you thought was possible or thought was impossible. Hmm? And you're coming close to the amazement that you are. Hmm? The Gita says, in his concluding words, Krishna says about the self in the second chapter, what can I say about it? It's amazing. Hmm? The Atma. He said, you're amazing. Hmm? It means it's what what can you say about it? Hmm? So beautiful you are. Hmm? But so far away you are from seeing your beauty. You're like a diamond covered by a mountain of coal. Goodness. And you're you know, trying to decorate the coal with with fake jewelry. That's <laughs> uh, not really worth anything. I've got to cover, uncover the coal and find a jewel. And you do, you do become a sweeper, hmm? right? So uh, these sa- that said, now these sounds they're very special, right? They're talking about the self, the atma, the jewel of the self. Hmm? It's brighter than all the lights of the world. Hmm? Self-luminous. A self-knowing unit. Hmm? It. We we try to be happy. We try to get happiness. We try to be pleasured. We try to know, and um, and become secure by knowing. And we try to be. Oh, I should have, we try to become secure by being. I guess we try to be. Hmm? But we are a unit of being, knowing, and bliss or loving. Hmm? We should stop trying to be that what we already are. Find out, go within, and find hmm? how much more hap- blissful you can, what you are, than you could be, become happy by any kind of acquisition in the world. So, right? So he says, these sounds, which are pretty profound, hmm? they're only really beginning sounds about the, the possibilities in the realm of consciousness. Hmm? They're like if you're living in a dark cave, you have no idea what sun is like. But if one of, one of your cave mates gets out and goes out and sees the sun and comes back in and says, I just saw, well, I mean, how are you going to explain it? I just went to a world where there's something called the sun. People call it the sun. Yeah, what is it like? What are you gonna? How are you gonna explain that to people who just live in the dark? Hmm? It's vegetables. It's vegetation, and you can eat it. Hmm? And there's all kinds of varieties. It's it's hot and it's wet. It's hot, and and it produces wetness, right through evaporation. It's all these things. It's it's all these contradictory things. It's hot and it's wet. 
and it's and and it's and it's it's green and it's yellow. <laughs> and and, 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 and it, 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 so. You can't get anywhere trying to tell your cavemates what it's like. They're going to write you off as a total lunatic. So then if you just make a little crack in the cave, just a glimmer of light comes through, and they go, oh, my God. He said, that's the sun. That's not all the sun. That's just a glimmer in the cave, enough to just excite every caveman and woman. Hmm? So that these sounds, these what are the crown jewels of the sounds of the Veda, hmm, they're like this glimmer of light coming through. Hmm? And Rupa Goswami says, Nikola Shruti Muliratnamala. Stringing these, stringing these sounds of the Upanishads together in a wreath, in a garland. Hmm? Great sages... The implication is the personification of the Upanishads, the Veda. Hmm? They are taking these a wreath of these sounds and they're garlanding hmm, the light, the luminosity that comes from the lotus toenails hmm, of the name of Krishna. That sound. Hmm? It's quite a glorification of the of, of the name, if you follow me. Hmm? What is that sound? What is the possibility that lies in that sound? What is found in Tattvamasi? That's super extraordinary already. But that one, neti neti, this one, Muhammad must be all you tie these together in a garland. Hmm? And great people who are living on the platform of what these sounds mean. Ambar must be. Hmm? They, in a in a in a world of consciousness beyond time and space, space they are all worshiping this this sound. They they they're, they're worshiping the sound that has a that corresponds that has a, the name in the form of the named hmm? Krishna. Hmm? He says just that here. He says, oh well, we have to find it again. Hmm? What does he says? He says, "Ayi mukta kulayer, ayi mukta kula." Amongst the 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 family of the muktas, hmm? muktas means those who have uh, have attained uh, um, liberation from the constraints of time and space, birth and death, and so forth. Ami ayi mukta kula upashamanam. So again. These are they're all in there's a realm there where these sounds personified are all worshiping this sound. In fact, they're like, this is like praising the, 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 the they are luminous, but the luminosity and the knowing hmm, and knowing implies kind of a um, an action too in one sense, a, a knowing action. Knowing can stop the action that's ignorant in moving, uh, you know, for uh, in relation to attachment and acquisition, but there, but uh, when full knowledge comes, then you know what to do, and that's to love, of course, as I said earlier. So there, uh, these sounds, they're they're 
they're worshiping the, the, the luminosity, the knowing, uh, the, 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 the possibilities of transcendental love that are derived, can be derived from the utterance, the implication is, of the name of Krishna, of the, of the sacred name of God. Therefore, he says, Paritastam Harinama Samasrayami. Hmm? Therefore, Rupa Goswami says, I take hmm, Samasrayami, com, sama, complete Ashrayami. I take completely, I completely, or I take complete shelter. My entire shelter lies. I've taken refuge entirely and exclusively hmm, in this Tvam Harinam. Hmm? In, in, in your name, he's addressing Krishna, in your name. So some emphasis on the efficacy hmm, of the Nam, the position of the name in relation to all sounds, hmm, and... Um, and its efficacy, which transcends or reaches beyond the efficacy of the sounds of the Upanishads, who then personified, are worshipping that name because of the prospect that it holds. I've given an example. Like the ray of the sun in the crack of the cave compared to going outside, and, and everything that you see, I mean, life, the peace of mind you get from a sunny day, oh, it's a nice day, I feel good. Hmm? That mental serenity... The the, the 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 vegetation that's dependent upon it, the food that comes from it, everything. It's life. Hmm? Water, rain, and so forth. Hmm? I mean, you can't... <laughs> this is Krishna. Hmm? Therefore, he's residing in a realm of lila, of play, where uh, there's there's too much, too much to describe. Hmm? Now, I'll conclude with this because we've talked for some time about the first verse. Jiva Goswami has said in his Bhakti Sandarbha something similar, He's, and it will help us to appreciate that world. He says, Shrotam api Upanishadam dure harikatamrita. Those, Shrotam api Upanishad, the word Upanishad, Shrotam, the sounds of the Upanishads, these are the crown jewels of the, of the Veda, right? The crown jewels of the Veda. We, we might ask us a moment, why isn't Krishna the crown jewel of the Veda? Why isn't the sound Krishna the, the crown jewel? Hmm? Because he's beyond the Veda. <laughs> uh, Golok, Krishna Leela, that realm is beyond the Veda. Hmm? They don't know the Veda there. right? The Vedas, they don't know the Veda there. They know something else. Hmm? Vedic knowledge is is a small thing there, right? Well, you know the, how the drama works, but um, they appear as if it, they think it's important, but it's not. So Krishna, hmm, this is... What did Mahaprabhu say to Ramananda Roy? Tell me the goal of life and how to achieve it. And in the context of doing so, please cite references from the sacred sounds to support whatever you say. So one thing after another, he made it right. This is the goal of life. This is how to attain it. Mapu said, "Say more. Say more. I, I don't think that's good enough. I don't think that's 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 complete." And he gets to a point in the in the conversation where he says, "Anything more? Say something more." And Ramana says, "Well, I know something more. I got this feeling inside, but I don't know if I can support it with any sounds from the Veda, 
And Mahaprabhu says, Nagni, we're getting somewhere now. We, we've arrived now. Let me hear your poetry. So he puts it in poetry. Hmm? What is what is the union of Radha and Krishna? Is what he's talking about. The union of Radha and Krishna. Hmm? The grinding of the mortar. Right? When you grind, if you want to grind spices by hand, you take a, a stone mortar and a stone, what do you call it? Pestle. And you grind. And the stone, the two, the two stones, if you do, if you don't have any spice in there, so I guess the two stones are going to, the mortar and the pestle are going to rub into one, the, the, right? They kind of become one, they're stone. They're, so, he, he describes something like this, Radha and Krishna, Mahabhav, Rasaraj, Duyek, Rup, the two, the object of love and the personification of love. Love is two, trying to become one. Hmm? And when Radha and Krishna become one in love, Krishna starts thinking he's Radha, and Radha starts thinking he's Krishna, so there's problems. They're again two. Hmm? What to do? Hmm? Well, what happened was that the poetry of Ramananda that was kind of making this idea, hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appreciated it, and then he showed him a vision that corresponded with his poetry. Hmm? That is, again, it's in Golok. It's in Svetadweep. It's that private island of God hmm? that the Vedas are just pointing to, worshipping that place, a secret place. Hmm? Hmm? He, Mahaprabhu, he, what he, Mahaprabhu showed, see Radha and Krishna and see me. See Radha and Krishna and see me. Hmm? In other words, the problem of the union hmm, that, are, that results in becoming so close that they confuse themselves with one another, hmm? Radha and Krishna, is resolved in a, in a, in a dynamic of who is of what is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Shri Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Hmm? And this is what he come to give the world. And what is his method? Hmm? Nam Sankirtan, just like you were doing, chanting the name. There's all these things can come from this by the grace of Mahaprabhu, these secrets. And Rupa Goswami is his main man. Hmm? Right? He told Rupa Goswami, just like at the dawn of creation, hmm? When Krishna enlightened Brahma, hmm? Kavira says, "Well, at the in, in Gorlila, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu blessed Rupa Goswami just like that, and empowered him with the ability and insight to explain what he was about." Hmm? And so he's doing that here in this Namastakam. Hmm? In many ways, he does it, but here by glorifying. The name, which when Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Dev chanted, we know what happened to him. He he just fell apart, right? He, his ecstasy was. He is the embodiment of ecstasy in the religious world, history of the religious world that nothing compares to in terms of ecstasy. Hmm? Hmm? And it, in his ecstasy it was wise. So there's thousands and thousands of. Uh, words written, philosophical, 
the wisdom underlying the ecstasy and the madness. Hmm? So this is what we call Nam Tattva, right? To, 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 to find the ground, philosophical ground, on which this phenomenon of spiritual ecstasy arises out of and get grounded in that and then begin this practice, which is just like you're doing, chanting Krishna Nam. Hmm? So we should think like Rupa Goswami here. Tvam Harinama Samasrayami. I take complete shelter, refuge in you, O Harinam, Nam of Hari. Hari is a name for Krishna. It means he, he, he who steals. What? God's a theft? A thief? Hmm? You know the story that Pujapat Sridhar used to say, used to tell, he said there were two Indian policemen, and one, they were on a night watch, and it was quiet, so you got to talk about something, pass the time, so one said to the other one, you know, it's a good thing that our God, Krishna, is a thief. He said, what are you talking about? That's the whole problem. Hmm? In all of his leelas, the dramas about Krishna, you know, he steals butter and yogurt, and he does all, he's quite mischievous and so forth, and we're trying to tell people, don't steal, and so it's a problem. So the other guy, the first guy, says, no, no, you don't, you don't understand. Krishna is non-different from his name. Hmm? And his name is a form in which he goes into the hearts of people through their ears, even though they don't know it or want it. Hmm? It goes into their ears. Some of the neighbors might have heard us chanting. It went into, The name went into their ears. And then it doesn't stop there because thieves don't care for high walls and locked doors. And that's exactly what we've got around our heart, high walls and locked doors. We're keeping it very... I don't know if I'm going to let that in. Hmm? I don't know. We're guarding it with our intellect and so forth. But he just bypasses the intellect and causes it to spin like Brahma's foreheads. Huh? Like another merry-go-round... Uh, what he did to Brahma, hmm? that'll come up, I'm sure. <laughs> Making his head his spin and entering into the heart, hmm? and then what does he do? Then he's he like a thief. He enters there and he closes down every other shop, every other corporation that set themselves up inside your heart to take attract your attention and take your your worth and uh, ex- exploit you and so forth. Closing them all down. Hmm? Hmm? This is Nam. He said Nam goes in the heart and plays the role of a sweeper, sweeping the coal. Hmm? As I said earlier, that the jewel of the self will come out and meet its maker and then have rapport, rasa, relationship. Nam rasa. Hmm? Nam rasa, what Bhaktivinoda said, Chintamani Swarup. Nam is Chintamani Swarup. You can get a role in the drama of Krishna Leela, you little Atma. Beyond your Atma Swarup, you can get a Bhakti Swarup. And play a play a big big role. Every 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 small soul has a big role there, right? Hmm? 
in the drama of Krishna Lila, all by Harinam. Therefore, don't be confused by some of the propaganda that, that minimizes Nam and Sankirtan, and that sometimes in the name of Smarnam. Hmm? No. Hmm. The Smriti Pal, as I said earlier, hmm. this Brihad uh, Bhagavatamrita teaches us. Smriti Pal, the, the, the Smriti means really remembrance, meditation, is the Pal, the fruit of Kirtan. It's the fruit of Kirtan. Hmm? By Kirtan, it, it will come. Hmm? It should be there. It will come. And and then a meditative body will develop. And then in your meditative body, you'll do kirtan. Hmm? Hmm? Right? Even in Golok, they're doing kirtan. Govinda Jaya Jaya, Gopal Jaya Jaya, Radha Ramana Hari, Govinda Jaya Jaya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Shri Rupa Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Baldevi Jibhushan Mahashaya Ki Jai. Shri Namastakam Ki Jai. Hari Nam Sangeetan Ki Jai. Shri Mangor Sundar Ki Jai. Mount Giriraj Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi. Gaur Premanandi.